Hello and welcome to the Telcom Corner Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Sean Sheedy, and I've developed this podcast as casual conversation to address issues from an application perspective, troubleshooting, product selection, multiple different needs and disciplines in the industry. There is a continuing need for information in this industry as to what products will work the best for different types of applications, what kinds of technology an application may require due to its abilities and expectations. So this has been developed for that purpose to address those needs and issues. So for our first episode and our inaugural episode, we're going to discuss the different types of fiber. Though that seems basic to a lot of people, it seems to surprise a lot of people that although if you were to ask them, how many types of fiber are there in our industry? Most people would say single mode and multi-mode. However, it doesn't stop there. There are many different flavors of single mode fiber. There are currently five different flavors of multi-mode fiber. And I use the term flavors because what do you need the cable to perform expectation-wise to? And there's a huge difference. Some people will say, oh, all multi-mode cable is all multi-mode cable. Not true. Some people will say all single mode fiber is the same. They all have the same core size. What could possibly be different about it? Starting with multi-mode fiber, there are five different grades. There is the original OM1, 62.5 micron core size, 125 micron cladding, had initial bandwidths of 160 megahertz at 850 nanometers. Depending on the manufacturer that you talk to, that could be as high as 200 megahertz and 500 megahertz at 1300 nanometers. And I mentioned those numbers not to throw a lot of numbers out at people and just start right off with throwing numbers out, but to specify the bandwidth requirements of them or capabilities of them, as that is one of the primary differences. As we move to OM2 multimode fiber, that had 500 megahertz of bandwidth at both 850 and 1300 nanometers because it was designed with a 50 micron core size, which helped increase bandwidth amongst other things that we'll get into along the way. So there's a significant difference between them, not just in jacket colors, OM1 being orange, OM2 being slate, but also in core sizes and as well as bandwidth differences. As we move from those two legacy multimode fibers to now what's classified or been classified as the new laser optimized multimode fibers, that began with OM3, an aqua colored jacket cable with a bandwidth of 2000 megahertz at 850 nanometers. That also changed with the type of light sources that were used for multi-mode fiber. OM1 and 2 used LED light sources. OM3 and beyond use Vixels. And the light sources are very different, and I didn't think it would be fair to start off a series of podcasts or an episode talking about different types of light sources right off the bat. Certainly relevant to the discussion, which we will get into, as there will be many, many uh, episodes talking about light sources as they interact with all different types of cables that are used commonly every day. But in OM3, the bandwidth was optimized for 850 nanometers. It was referred to as a win-win scenario for the IT world. The IT world has always wanted more bandwidth, but has always been under the restrictions of budgets, as is everything. However, with the invention of OM3 laser optimized fiber, utilizing the different type of light source, Vixel, compared to the previous light source of LEDs, because of the characteristics of the light source, because of the 50 micron core size, the characteristics involved in the glass development itself, it was able to increase 
multiple times the bandwidth capability at a cheaper wavelength, which is a win-win scenario. So you had more bandwidth that everybody always wants, but you had an effective price that didn't cause budgetary issues. So that's why OM3 laser-optimized multimode fiber was classified by many as a win-win scenario, both from a manufacturing perspective, but certainly from an end-user field and application perspective as well. This brings us to OM4 multimode technology, visually verifiable by the fact that it has a violet-colored jacket. Some people will call it heather violet to be more specific. This particular fiber has a bandwidth of 4,700 megahertz at 850. So again, the bandwidth was more than doubled, and now there's an option, again, for greater bandwidth at a cheaper light source with contained costs, which again, very important for the market's needs, which is always driven by a budgetary restriction. Now, in the world of multimode fiber, this brought us to OM5, which was specifically designed for some new applications at one point never thought possible with multimode fiber, and that is with a form of wave division multiplexing called SWDM or short wave division multiplexing. For the first time in multimodes history, traditionally when you're talking about multimode fiber, and again we'll get into this in many episodes, the traditional wavelengths are 850 and 1300 nanometers. For the specific reason of that's what technology allowed at the time of initial development, that's where we were from a technology standpoint and could produce those types of electronics using those particular wavelengths. Obviously that's changed and we'll get into a lot of other things that have evolved since then as we move along. But OM5 multi mode fiber was specifically developed for four wave division multiplexing with a utilizing SWDM short wave division multiplexing. OM5 multimode fiber not only uses the common wavelength or traditional wavelength of 850 nanometers, also was developed to work with 880 nanometers, 910 nanometers, and the last wavelength remains in an argument phase. Some people say it's 940, other people say it's 953. The whole reason for this was what they call four wave division multiplexing, and for 100 gig systems, 25 gigs per channel, four times 25 is 100, you have 100 gig transmission speed. This particular kind of fiber was developed specifically for data centers. It hasn't really hit the mainstream applications as much as it was designed for them for their need for bandwidth. Ironically, it was also a turning point for the data centers to move from multi-mode fiber to start considering single-mode fiber. The problem with single-mode fiber is not its bandwidth. It's certainly superior to multi-mode fiber in every way, shape, or form. The problem with single-mode fiber is due to its cost of its transmitting electronics. Laser-based electronics are far more expensive than Vixel or LED-based electronics. So that has always held up single-mode fiber from the campus environment data center world versus the long-haul world in which it was designed for terrestrial, underwater applications, CLEX, all things that we'll define along the way in our various episodes. But in short, long-distance applications, city-to-city, state-to-state, cross-country, things that required significant distance but had to have minimal loss. And that is single-mode fiber's main advantage is it has a very low loss characteristic to it compared to multi-mode fiber. So in those long-distance applications, it serves very well and does not create a cumulative loss just by the fiber itself, which then gets in the way and prevents transmission of application speeds and information bit error rates, and again, all the many things that we'll cover. I realize that's a ton of information. 
As for single-mode fiber, yes, single-mode fiber has a 8.3 micron core size to it, and they are not all the same. It depends on what you want. Traditional single-mode fiber, also known as ITU TG652, was optimized for 1310 transmissions, as was its dispersion characteristics. Later, it became a dual window at 1310-1550 optimized fiber. From there, we moved to what we call low water peak or zero water peak glass, also known as ITU TG652D, and that was designed for FTTX applications as well as many other applications. And the manufacturing process actually required a remanufacturing to be able to utilize other wavelengths, specifically at 1490 at the time, that weren't available due to the water peak or moisture content of the glass. Again, we'll get into that in future episodes. From there, the single mode industry developed something called ITU TG653, or what more commonly people know it as is dispersion shifted fiber. Unfortunately, it was designed for the world of wave division multiplexing, however, still had too high of a characteristic of dispersion, so wasn't really developed properly or didn't really fit the needs of the applications. Again, we'll get into that in a future episode. From there, we developed ITU TG654 also known as ultra-long-haul, low-attenuation fiber. Ideal for cross-country transmissions because of the physical design of that cable, which again, we'll get more into in a little bit later. This is more of an introduction. It was ideal for being able to send maximum information or carrying capacity for distance due to the characteristics of the glass. This moved us to ITU TG655, which was designed specifically for 1550 transmission and where the 653 fiber did not meet the dispersion characteristics necessary for, say, dense wave division multiplexing, ITU TG655 fiber did. Continuing on, this brought us to ITU TG656 optical fiber that's been dedicated or designed for broadband systems using both DWDM, dense wave division multiplexing, CWDM, coarse wave division multiplexing, for operations intended in the 1460 to 1625 wavelength windows. And finally, for the moment, this brings us to bend insensitive fiber, also known as ITU TG657. And there are even within all these flavors of different types of fibers, multiple flavors of this particular type of fiber in development that has constantly reduced its big advantage of sensitivity to bend radius. Bend radius and attenuation has always been a huge problem for different types of fiber. And single-mode fiber is far more affected by bend radius than multi-mode fiber is. Multi-mode fiber, a lot of people will say if single-mode fiber is so superior and single-mode fiber has so much more capabilities than multi-mode fiber does, why is multi-mode fiber even still around? And the reason for that is cost. It meets and is within the target of a lot of budgets. And most importantly, it is extremely forgiving. There's a lot of things you can do with multi-mode fiber that will shut down a single-mode fiber system in a heartbeat and have no effect on it. The multi-mode fiber is much more resilient. They actually got the idea of bend and sensitive fiber from the characteristics of multi-mode fiber because it's impervious or insensitivity to things like tight tie wraps, improper bend radiuses, macro bends, micro bends, all of the many things that we'll talk about in depth in constant different episodes. So in case this is a lot of information that somebody's going, wow, that's a lot of numbers and a lot of information. It's just kind of to whet your appetite. 
it, this first episode. And we will get into so many in-depth discussions about different, not only components, but cable types, as it far exceeds what most people realize. But there's a lot of belief that all single-mode and multi-mode fibers are the same, and they're not. So in this initial episode, I just wanted to begin by pointing out that all multi-mode fibers and single-mode fibers are not the same. A lot of people just look at it as a dual classification. There's multi-mode and there's single-mode fiber. But it's really, what do you need that fiber to do? What is your application that will really determine which of the multi-mode types or single-mode types that you need to do the job or to have the application perform most effectively upon completion of installation. So although I realized it was a lot of numbers, a lot of different types of cables, I just wanted to begin with that as a starting point, and we will build from that. As I've mentioned, it is an enormous industry with a lot of different options, and we're just getting started with the fundamental unit of fiber type, which will evolve into different types of cable design designs that you may need, want, prefer, or that are required for the applications on your project. With that said, this will wrap up episode one, our inaugural episode, and this will be a monthly podcast, and we'll continue in our next podcast talking about fiber types and work our way into those cable designs that I was talking about. Until then, I'm your host, Sean Sheedy. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll be back soon with more information to share.